These are our elders of uh, Crossroads Church, and uh, periodically I try to do this, or we try to do this, and that is have a conversation on a Sunday morning. Uh, I was talking to somebody after the first service and, and just saying we get to do this uh, throughout the week and uh, from week to week as elders, but very seldom does it, do the conversations we have um, uh, get uh, published or get public to the, the congregation. And so uh, periodically we try to do this and uh, get on uh, some topics and talk about some things that are important to us and we believe that are important to, church, uh, to the church. And our prayer is that this morning it'll be a, a, an encouragement to you. Um, a number of weeks ago, I started uh, with an introduction, I guess you could say an introduction to the introduction of this series called Salt and Light. Uh, back then, I, I called it Catalyst, and I talked about how um, collisions take place all around us, uh, these uh, crisis moments in the community, and how we as Christians often are at a loss for what to do. How do we uh, participate or how do we add value in those situations and uh, um, propose some uh, ideas, some thoughts about that. And it really revolved around uh, a, a scripture verse in Matthew chapter 5, and that's going to be up on the screen. And um, this is in the message version, and it says this, let me tell you why you're here. I don't know how many times I've had that question uh, asked of me. Um, why am I here? What's life all about? Uh, well, here Jesus is telling uh, those people um, up on the mountain as he's uh, gathered them and he's uh, giving them the sermon. He says, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. You're here to be a light bringing out the God colors of, uh, sorry, in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. And... Uh, so as we go through this fall season, we're going to be talking more about this. How do we as Christians, how do we as the church, how do we as Crossroads Church do what God has called us to be and called us uh, to do? Um, starting out, um, I told these guys where I, I really wanted to start was there's a culture that takes place in, in a Christian community or in, in the church, and it is drastically different from a culture that is outside of these four walls. And historically, a church has been, or the church has been, this place that is separate and segregated from that which is outside of the four walls of the church. And so the first question I want to ask these guys, but oh, by way of introduction, first of all, if you, if you don't know, this is Jonathan Ross, Jason Wren and Dan Mallory, and Cody Wadsworth is one of our elders too, but he's on a, a, a trip uh, this weekend, so he's unable to be with us. Um, but before we start, and before I ask the question, um, can we just honor our elders and uh, thank them for their time and for their... So the question I want to start with is, how has this... Um, move um, that, that Jesus talks about in Matthew 5, of us being the, the, the seasoning and the flavoring, the light in this world, how has how that taken root in your heart? And I guess when and where did that kind of change for you in your, in your Christian walk and in your journey? You went first, first service, so you might as well go first. All right, I'll go first again. Well, 
I was thinking about this question this week as we were talking through this. I'm really thankful for having the opportunity to grow up in a traditional church background with parents who showed me the things of faith and taught me the things of faith. So as I headed out into the world, you know, I, I had this this image of God that that came from those teachings when I was growing up, and and luckily, and I know everybody didn't experience this, but luckily I, I had an image of God as a God who had his arms open for me, and I knew that God loved me. So uh, in my mid-20s, late-20s, Jen and I had an opportunity to live in some different places. We lived on the East Coast for a little while, and that was good in so many different ways. Um, got to experience and meet and become friends with lots of different people of different cultures and different faiths. And, and it was wonderful in so many ways, and these were really great people. But one thing that I discovered in that that was, that was sad, really, is this perception and perspective of God that I had, this God uh, of open arms who loved me and welcomed me, was not the perception and the perspective that uh, these people outside uh, the faith had. And it was no fault of their own. It certainly was no fault of God's, but it was because of us as Christians. And, and what we have done over the years of creating division and boundaries and, and differences and isolating ourselves and putting all this you know, protection around ourselves and our kids to keep us from, from the things of the world that we believe are so bad. And, and so this perception that I had of a God with open arms was the opposite of the perception they had which was a God with his arms extended like this, pushing them away. And, uh, you know, at, at that time, uh, one of the verses in your, in your bulletin is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and it talks about God using us as his ambassadors and making his appeal to humanity through us. And, and so what really hit me during that time in my life when, when we were experiencing that was, and that's on us, and, and we're failing, uh, because if God's making his appeal through us, and people's perception of God is one of arms extended instead of arms open, then we've got a problem in how we're living out our faith and how we're, we're creating this division and celebrating differences instead of, instead of our similarities in humanity and, and instead of welcoming each other with open arms. And so that was a time when it really became real to me of the importance of trying to live that out uh, in a welcoming, live my faith out in a welcoming manner. So um, the question uh, was posed: When when did uh, salt and light become something that was that was important uh, in your in your walk? And and it really became evident to me when I had to start walking out my own faith, and not not just the faith that my my family had instilled in me uh, growing up through through church. And so, like Jason, I had a, a very traditional background of upbringing in church and, and good good biblical teaching and, and understanding of the word. Uh, but my viewpoint of, of the Lord was much different than, than Jason's and the fact that I thought God was going to thump me if I did something wrong. And so it wasn't an open-handed viewpoint. It was more of like, I'm going to get you if you do something wrong. And so, so much that um, words that would come out of my, my dad's mouth would be like, what time next week do you want to wake up? You know, those kinds of those kinds of concerns. And some, so, some of y'all can relate to that and some of you can't, but... Um, <laughs> But in, in college, when I was off at school, it was, it was very evident just that people would call themselves a Christian, go to church on Sunday, and then live like they never attended the rest of the week, mm -hmm. and then go back the next week. And, and so reconciling that in my, in my mind, 
something that keeps coming to, to my thoughts were actions speak louder than words. How am I actioning out what I believe? And, and when I'm in private, when nobody's looking, what am I doing? And that's kind of the definition of integrity. If, if nobody were seeing what I was doing, am I going to do this the way I'm supposed to anyway? And so it's not out of legalism um, because um, God's going to thump me. The, the correct thought is it's, it's out of conviction, not condemnation. Convictions from the Holy Spirit, condemnations from the enemy. And so learning some of those things um, through freedom ministries and, and stuff like that was, was very instrumental. But seeing that and, and actioning that out through uh, college before I met my, my bride was, was huge for me because I went, oh my goodness, now I'm getting married and I have to lead through this. Mm-hmm. How do I do that? You know? And so learning how to do that and getting equipped how to do that has been a process and still is, um, especially with, you know, bringing more along behind us. So um, it's, it, it's been a, a, a continual process. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if there's a specific time that I can say that that's when I got it because I still don't really feel like I get it a lot of the times. Um, I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, girl. <laughs> agree that he hasn't got it yet? Oh. Yeah. Hey, there's no commentary needed on my stuff, Sorry. okay? <laughs> but growing up, I was a knucklehead. I'm still a knucklehead. And, uh, but I feel like it's, it's this like dimmer switch like we have in here of, of the light can be on and it can be low. But the more that I grow in Christ, the, the brighter that light gets. And, and I really hope as... as it kind of came, came to me in first service today. I really hope that right now is not the brightest that I ever am. Yeah. Um, but what Philippians 1 tells us is that, that Christ is bringing you to completion until the day he returns. That he's not bringing you to completion when, when you figure it out or when you accept Christ or when you fall in line. But it's this continual journey and work that until the day Christ, recom- Christ returns, he's still working on you and he's still, he's still shaping and forming. And that our our dimmer switch is going to keep going up when we fall in line with that. That's right. That's good. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, when I was talking about this, uh, uh, starting this subject off, I was talking about collision, the, the crises moments. Uh, if you want to go to the extreme, it's where, where darkness um, uh, rears its ugly head in this world. Um, I was even talking to these guys before the first service. I was going, well, it's something to talk theoretically about darkness, but what is darkness? It's, it's a place of Christlessness. And I, I think so many of us, we walk out of this room and um, we, we want to desperately be dark, or we want to be light in a dark world, but oftentimes we don't see darkness per se. Does that make sense? It's like, well, what is dark? You know, we're looking for the, the axe murderer walking down the street, and then we'd know that that's dark. But we come in contact with and we come face to face with darkness all the time or Christlessness. So I guess the question for us is, um, practically speaking, when have you um, had that opportunity to be that God flavoring or that light and, and really seeing the light of Christ shine in a dark place or a, for lack of a better term, a Christless place or a, a place where Christ needed to be shown? I'll go first since I didn't get to answer this question at first service. Okay. Does that mean and, Dan and I talk too long nope. on this one? Shut your nope. mic off. Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> the best things are left unsaid. But 
I'm going to be really brief so y'all do have time to talk. I think to me, the question is, will I recognize the opportunities that God puts before me? Will I recognize the situation in people's lives of darkness uh, and recognize it, but also be willing to enter into it? Uh, will I be fully present to the opportunities around me? Or does the busyness of life or my own comfortability keep me from stepping into those? Well, I think that's it too. If, if one of you guys want to jump on that, I, have you heard from so many people that, oh, God wouldn't use me or I don't have the, the spiritual know-how like Jason or Darren or... Or Dan, I'm, not, I'm not ready yet. I'm or not, I'm, yeah. I'm not perfect yet. Yeah. Lies. Yeah. So we freeze instead of acting, right? Well, and even, and so we're going off totally different direction than when we did first service, so sorry, guys. You're um, welcome. But even, even on, even on uh, that threat that came through the social media this past week, yeah. the darkness that that caused, the fear that yeah. that caused in our own schools, in our own families of, am I going to listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying? Am I going to ask him about that? Or am I going to just act, am I going to act in a way that is in fear? Or am I going to ask him about it, get a check on that? No red flags, good to go. Kids, go to school. Because that's, that's where me and my family got from. It's like, okay, we can either draw back and be in fear, or we can step in and, and encourage those around us. And sharing with those around you where your faith is, is not just in and uh, risk analysis. Right. It's in, I know whom I've believed. I'm persuaded he is able to keep that which I've committed to him. Right? I know who my God is and what he's capable of. Where these opportunities come from to have this kind of impact, it, it comes from relationships. So Darren talked about not feeling equipped or not feeling ready, and, and that's that's true for every single one of us, but we all are in certain relationships in our lives where we can have that kind of impact. What it requires is what Dan was talking about, getting past that fear uh, and being willing to be uncomfortable. I spoke back in, in April about real impact coming from places of uncomfort and places where you're willing to step past that fear and get past that fear and be uncomfortable in your relationships. But it does come from relationship. I mean, we, we spend time in, in Western civilized Christianity, just thinking we can preach and teach and, and cause people to change their behavior. And that, in my experience, that's just not realistic and, and not what's going to happen. It has to come from relationship. And a couple of examples of that that I have, uh, going back to that time when Jen and I were living on the East Coast and, and had all these different relationships with people that were very, very different than us. And there's one guy I can remember uh, we spent some time together in social settings and lunch at work and over a course of months developed a friendship and developed a connection and a relationship with each other. And uh, he was, I would say, Jewish by, by heritage and, and culture, not really practicing from a faith standpoint. But one day, casually, something came up related to, to faith and, and he made a comment about uh, something along the lines of, well, it's, it's all just kind of fairy tales anyway. And and because of the relationship that we had, you know, I was able to have conversation with him, not in a, not in a argumentative or judgmental kind of way, but just conversational and friendly. And, and I don't know what happened with that. And eventually we've moved back here and I've actually lost touch with him. Uh, so I don't know what came of that, but it was good and real and, and raw conversation 
that had we not had a relationship with each other, had we not been in that place where we could trust each other, where, where he could trust me and I could trust him, you know, that kind of real conversation couldn't happen. And, and so I, I would encourage all of you to, to really look at and recognize those relationships in your life where you may not feel equipped and it may be uncomfortable and, and you may have some fears that you're gonna have to just put aside, but that's where that kind of real impact can happen. Let me add one more thing, going back to, you know, you talked about the dark situations that we step in. It's not your role to explain things for God. That when we step into hard situations, the number one thing that we're called to is to be present and to be, to be around. And if, if there are things that we can speak life into, we want to do that. But our number one goal is not to explain to people why they're in the situation they're in because you're probably wrong. <laughs> Can I add to that? Uh, there's another example of this, uh, and I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna do another shameless plug like I did in the first service. Uh, there's an organization that I'm involved in called Acts for Others. You are all invited tonight at 6 p.m. to the annual dinner and fundraiser for Acts for Others, and if you wanna know the details of it, you're gonna have to come tonight, because I'm not gonna take the time this morning to talk through the details of it. But what what we do in that organization is exactly what Jonathan's talking about. We we connect with people wherever they are, and, and sometimes people are in situations out of their own choices. Sometimes it's things that are not their fault. Uh, we don't try to figure that out and tell them, hey, here's where you went wrong. We're just trying to, to, to develop a relationship with them and walk alongside them for weeks or, or months and as that relationship develops and as that trust develops, then, then that's where, where impact happens. So um, I think Jonathan's exactly right. If, if we were to go into meetings with uh, people involved in Acts for Others and say, hey, here's, you know, here's what's going on and here's why you're in this situation and this is what you need to change, it would have no impact and no effectiveness whatsoever. But instead what we do is just try to, try to provide help, try to provide opportunity, uh, try to uh, just meet them where they are and develop relationship and let God do the rest. Yeah. So Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is on me to preach good news to the poor, to uh, uh, set the prisoners free, beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, garment of praise, the spirit of heaviness. So this is what Jesus came to do. And then he said, now this is your job. Right, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So we are the bringers of what Christ came to bring. We're the bringers of the aroma of the, um, what does it say in, uh, in your bulletin on that other uh, verse, uh, talking about the exquisite fragrance, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 14. The knowledge of Christ comes through us, the exquisite fragrance that we bring. So how practically do we do this? And something I've added uh, from my notes from the first service. So you're a homemaker, you're a business owner, uh, you're a laborer, maybe you're in corporate America, you're a teacher, you're a coach, you're retired. How, guys, does somebody practically live that out? The bringer of the fragrance of Christ. Jonathan seems a little sensitive about this morning service, so should let him go first again? <laughs> I went first, uh, first service on this, but I'm always ready. Uh, I might start preaching here. Um, <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so there, there's this, this, 
a study that's done in psychology that's called negativity dominance. And there's tons of studies that have gone along with this. But what negativity dominance says is that if, if I touch something that is deemed dirty, it makes me dirty. And that's, that's been our, general speaking, our uh, perspective of the world. And so it's, it's what the Pharisees, what the teacher of the law couldn't get about Jesus, is that if a, if a leper were to come into his presence, even, even though they, they've heard of the stories that he's done, if he touches that leper, it never crosses their mind that this leper can be cleansed. All that goes into their mind is that this leper has made Jesus dirty. And that's how we operate as the church too often, is that if sin or if dirtiness comes in here, it's going to make us all dirty. Rather than what Scripture says is that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and has the opportunity and ability to bring cleansing through the name of Jesus. That it has the opportunity to bring life in the name of Jesus into this place. And that's what I want us to operate at the church. I want us to be a church who believes so strongly in our Savior, who believes so strongly in who our Savior says he is, that it goes beyond what we think of people and that we operate in that manner of Christ cleansing, Christ restoring, Christ redeeming, uh, Christ bringing resurrection to the things that we might see as dirty or dead, but life can still be brought into it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't preach the way Jonathan can preach. Yeah, good luck following that up, yeah, Jason. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll add, you know, what he's talking about ties into what I was saying at the beginning about this perception that those outside of our faith have of a God that's trying to push them away because of our... <laughs> you guys going to pay attention or not? <laughs> See what I have to put up with? <laughs> because of what we have done to create that. And Darren, you mentioned that, that phrase from the Lord's Prayer that I think Jesus was really intentional about putting in the middle of that, uh, that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that required a paradigm shift for me, a mindset, mindset change from, from the traditional background I grew up in where faith was really most about, mostly about punching your ticket for what happens after you die, which is certainly a very important part of what our faith is about. But um, I think he was really intentional about putting that, those words in there so that we understand a big part of our job is to make sure the things of God's kingdom are happening here on earth right now. That's right. And, and that we're bringing those things. And you know, we talked about Isaiah 61 as a foundational scripture of this church that's etched in the stone out there. In Matthew chapter 25, you asked the question of how do we do this? How practically do we do it? Um, he made it pretty clear for us, and he laid it out. We overcomplicate it. We make it difficult. We fight these culture battles, and we put up these walls, and we, we, we focus on differences. Instead of just doing what he simply laid out for us in chapter 25, which is where he was talking about God separating those on his left and on his right, and, and, and how do we know, how does God know who we are and whether we were with him? And Jesus asked the simple questions of, well, when I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was thirsty, did you give me something to drink? When I was a stranger, did you let me in? When I was naked, did you clothe me? When I was a prisoner, did you come visit me? I mean, he makes it simple. We muddy it up and make it complicated. 
But I, I really think that's, that's what we are called to do, both within Crossroads and within the body of Christ in general, is to do those things, and what comes out of that is that relationship, and hopefully we can change that perception out there from a God who does this to a God who does this. You know what I like in that, in that verse, and, and I shared this in one of my sermons uh, a few months back, is do you notice that it's not just the ones who failed to meet those requirements that were asking the question, when did we see you, when did we see you, when did we see you? Remember? When did we see you sick? When did we see you in prison? When did we see you in need? It wasn't just the ones who didn't do it. It was the ones who did as well. They weren't doing it to just check off the boxes. They were doing it out of response to a relationship with Christ. It was a part of who they were, and it just happened. And they were just as confounded with, when did we see you? Oh, really? And it, it happened. It took place. Dan, you own your own business. And um, uh, Allison, stay-at-home mom. How does this play out just in the grassroots, blood, sweat, and tears of everyday life for you guys? I mess up a lot. <laughs> Period. Um, the the wonderful part about that is um, in in going out and and doing business with people, um, hopefully they see the same person in business than they do with me wearing my ball cap on a Friday when I'm not seeing anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's that's part of it, uh, creating an environment where um, where people feel loved on and encouraged and built up and not beat down. Um, there's enough of that going on. We don't. We don't want to beat down on anybody. Now, I want them to wear the rubber bands, but besides that, you know, <laughs> we do push-ups for that. Um, the, uh, <laughs> You're talking to both my boys over there when you say that. That's right. <laughs> Hint. Um, the, the practical applications of it is that um, I'm not segmented in who I am when right. I do business versus who I am when I show up on Sunday morning. Um, there, there's the continuation of, of the, the same personality. You get, you get the same person here as you do there, um, but it's, it's a matter of where uh, we draw boundaries and lines of I'm, I'm going to keep you at an arm's distance because I don't, I don't agree with or I don't uh, appreciate. Um, those, those are really hard things to do um, when you're in the same body of Christ, right? And so that relationship building happens because of time. And that's something in our culture is very precious. Um, I'm, I'm very, um, I'm reminded that time's very short and that time's very, uh, very valuable to spend uh, with my family and, and for a season of time, but also with others with, within our body to, to build up and encourage. And that's where life groups happen or going to lunch together happens or, or just finding moments on purpose to do life together is going to be really important. Um, something I was, I was pointed towards this morning as the, as the worship team was getting ready and, and, and beginning the day uh, was Philippians three thirteen. That's where Paul was talking to them saying, he, he just got done talking about how He's got all rights to be puffed up because he did all this stuff. But on verse 13, on uh, chapter 3, he says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Um, that, was, that was told to me and taught 
to me and, and encouraged to me by a mentor of mine that's now moved out of state, but he had done a lot of cool stuff. And, and it, he said, hey, it's not just knocking off the chains of what entangled you, the sin and the stuff that used to trip you up. It's also not resting on your achievements of what you used to do and getting all, all nice and sassy about, well, we used to do it this way back in the day. That's how they, also, you, they should do it now. You know, it's, it's pushing on to where we're at currently. And in Jeremiah 29, right before they get to the coffee cup verse of, hey, I got a plan for you. Before that, when he says, hey, I'm fixing to send you to exile and you're going to not like it there, but pray for the welfare of that city. And it's going to go well for you. What that tells me is wherever you're at, dig in. Even if you're there just temporarily, college students, as you're heading out, dig in. Um, those that are here long-term or short-term, dig in. Become part of the body. Become part of uh, what we've got going on or equip yourself. If you feel like, hey, I need some more help with, there's some really cool things that we're doing called Life Ministries, and there's Bible study stuff that the Stokers are putting on on Sunday mornings starting in two weeks. There's this Conqueror series starting September 8th that you saw on there. If you want to know where that's at, uh, you get to contact West Cannon, but it's going to start at 6.30 on Sunday mornings. Those kinds of things where you feel lack or you feel like, hey, I need a hand, but I don't know how to get a handle on it or I don't know where to start on it. It's a great place to sharpen your ax and get up against somebody that knows Jesus and loves Jesus and is just as messed up as you are in a certain area, but is, is willing to run hard after him. Yeah, exactly. You can clap. <laughs> just a rewind and down. Dan, you win. You got applause. I got yeah. it. There you go. Take that, Jonathan. That verse in your... That verse in your uh, in your bulletin, 2 Corinthians 2, it, it says, it, Paul says, this is a terrific responsibility. Who can do it? And we can't do it on our own. He comes to this conclusion over and over again. It's, it's Christ's work in us and through us, his power at work within us. Um, someone want to close us just in commenting on that? Um, obviously, we talked about getting to know him. Dan's talked about the discipleship and pressing more into that relationship with him, but power of his Holy Spirit at work within us? Yeah, well, I'll bring it full circle back to where we kind of opened with that scripture from Matthew 5 of uh, Jesus calls us to be salt. When salt is in the shaker, it's useless. When salt stays in the shaker, it has no purpose whatsoever. But for salt to serve its purpose, it has to be attached to something. It, it, it's meant to cure. It's meant to flavor. And if, all it, if I came and gave you a big spoon of salt right now, that would be terrible, Right. But if it's, if it's a part of something else, if it's stuck to something else, then it's serving out its purpose. So you use the gospel that's in your life and get stuck. Get stuck to something. Get stuck to your community. Get stuck to your family and bring flavor to it. Bring cure to it. And, and serve out your purpose. Yeah. Yeah. One more thing. Yeah, you go ahead. Um, the classes and the equipping and the, the discipleship process that we're talking about it's like surgery. It's going to hurt and it's going to be uncomfortable, but it's going to bring about healing. It's going to bring about good stuff. And so, um, number one, don't shy away from it. Engage. Come on. Come, come, come be a part of. Uh, we have that uh, October. Um, yeah, Surf Sunday. Surf coming Sunday up coming up. October. Don't wait until Surf Sunday to jump in. Get ramped up. Get, get going and 
build community and build relationship with people around you that are going to do, do the Serve Sunday. It's not going to be just our body of believers doing that. It's going to be a whole bunch of different bodies coming together to do that this time because they've gotten excited about it too. Um, number two, you're not going to do it perfect. You're going to mess up. And, and failure is how you learn. You, you don't get on to your two-year-old for falling down when they learn how to walk, do you? You expect it, right? You, 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 don't, you don't kick somebody in the ribs because they fell down. You, you help them up, dust them off, and go, hey, there's enough of you left. Let's keep going. So that's, that's the, the viewpoint I look at this going, hey, there's none of us in here who's got it right. Nobody's perfect. We all need Jesus. We all need, need his, his sacrificial work, sacrificial work to clean us up. Right. Let's go hard together. Let's, let's go. Right. Hey, let's all stand up and uh, worship team, if you want to come on up. And uh, Barry's going to close us in a minute. In a minute. I've asked uh, Jason if he'd just close our time in prayer. And uh, just uh, allow the Holy Spirit to apply this to our heart and how we walk this out from here on in, from this day forward. Okay, so let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this time together this morning. Thank you for different viewpoints, different perspectives, different backgrounds. And Lord, I pray that we will be able to step into those areas in our relationships, in our lives, those opportunities you put in front of us to be uncomfortable. To, uh, to let you work in the middle of that, uh, to put aside the fears of the things that are different, and, and to, uh, Lord, what I pray over this entire congregation is what you've said in Ephesians 3.20, that by the power of your Spirit with working within us, we can accomplish infinitely more than we could imagine on our own. It's in your name we pray. Amen.